Well, go ahead for a minute. My mom always said when somebody does something nice for you, make sure you say thank you. Why don't you just take a few moments and thank the Lord for what he has done in and among you today. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What a beautiful spirit of worship is in this place. You remember last week we were talking about how praise changes the atmosphere. And it really does. <clears throat> when we learn how to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, it makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, what a beautiful crowd today. I've been looking here and I'm trying even now at this moment to see if I can find one ugly person in the house. And I don't see any at all. Amen. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell them how beautiful they are to you. Amen. Well, I've asked for uh, just a few moments this morning to have a, past a pastoral moment with you. I want to share some information with you very quickly, and then after that, I've asked Justin to sing an old, old song that we used to do many years ago that simply says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. How many of you believe that's true? And so we're not done worshiping. We're going to, to sing just a little bit more in just a moment. <clears throat> but I wanted to come and, and uh, share with you three pieces of information that are very important to us right now. And the first has to do with March the 17th. I hope that you're saving that date all day long. We're going to be having a super Sunday on that day with Evangelist Gary Taylor. Now, Brother Taylor has been with us before and has done Super Sunday with us. And uh, he is a wonderful, wonderful preacher of the gospel. And you're going to enjoy his ministry again. He has been with us. And I know you're familiar with his, his ministry. And uh, just several months ago, I felt led to call him, and I just I couldn't get him booked until this year. And so uh, we have him for all day long on March the 17th. Now, I realize that we very seldom ever do a Sunday night worship service. Years ago, it was common. We just we did, did it every Sunday. Uh, but we don't do it that frequently anymore. But this Super Sunday, we're going to have service in the morning at our regular time. We're going to worship together. We're going to accept and receive the ministry of, of Brother Taylor. And then we're going to come back Sunday evening at 6 p.m. Now listen, you know me. I'm not a waster of time. Uh, we're going to get in here. We're going to sing and worship and have church, hear the word of God. And then believe that whatever happens in these altar services will be what, exactly what we need from the hand of God. And so I want you to invite some folk, some people that don't normally come to church. You say, well, I'm kind of afraid to invite them. What's the worst thing that could happen? They're going to hit you between the nose or between the eyes? or I mean, go ahead and put yourself out there and ask them to come and be in service with us on that day. Not so that we can pack a house, but so that we can get as many people as possible in the environment where the Spirit of God is moving among us. If you know any prodigals, if you know any uh, unbelievers that need to be saved, if you need any that are just, uh, just in need of a touch in their lives, invite them to come. Save them a seat and bring them with, uh, with you on March the 17th. Then the next thing that I want to mention to you is that on April the 12th, uh, we are taking a, a large step of faith. We have invited Southbound to come and be with us on a Friday night. Now, I know in Louisville, there's all kinds of things for you to do on a Friday night. But one of the things that we can do is have a concert here at our church that will exalt and magnify the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, the leader of this group is a man that you're familiar with. His name is Clint Brown. He pastors a church in Florida. He sings, uh, has been singing for many, many years. And uh, we were kind of debating whether or not to set it up in the gymnasium. 
or to just stay in here, and we're going to stay in here. And if we need to set chairs out, we'll set chairs out. If we need to sit on the floor, we'll sit on the floor. But I'd rather have our sanctuary jam-packed than to go to the back building and, and it feel like that there's no one there. So we're going to have a concert on April the 12th, Friday night. We're going to do a blackout concert. And what that means is we're going to have everybody wear black that night. And uh, if you've got black shirts, black pants, whatever, you don't necessarily need to wear black makeup or anything like that. Just, just We're just going to come and, and just for the fun of it. We have a, a mobile barbecue unit that's going to be on site, barbecue truck, from 4.30 to 6.30 so that you can get off of work on Friday, come directly to church, eat some barbecue. We're also going to have a truck that serves lemon shake-ups and things of that nature so that if you've already eaten and you just want something to soothe your stomach, you can get something like that. And from 4.30 to 6.30, we're just going to hang out, eat, have a good time. And then at 7 o'clock, uh, we're going to come inside and we're just going to have a wonderful time. So I'm, I'm, number one, I'm asking you to come. Don't stay home and say, well, you know, I'm not into music. I, this is about our church. This is about trying to bring some people and connect them with a church that loves Jesus and wants to exalt him and lift him up. And so I want you to come and be a part of it, and I want you to bring someone with you. That's April the 12th, southbound, right here at 7 o'clock, food trucks from 4.30 to 6.30. Blackout, come, and let's just have a wonderful time in the Lord. How many of you are already excited to hear from Clint Brown and Southbound on that Friday night? So I want you to come and be a part of that. And then finally, I just want to share a need that we have here at Spirit Life Church. Uh, as you know, our economy in the United States right now, regardless of what we're being told through the news media, stinks really bad. How many of you know that? I mean, people are struggling financially uh, to make ends meet. Finances are just really tight right now. And that is also the case with our church. Since the beginning of the year, our offerings have plummeted considerably. Now, I will say this. Our church tithes faithfully. Now, you know what the tithe is. That's 10% of our income that we believe Scripture teaches that we should commit ourselves to. God said, if you'll bring all of the tithe into the storehouse, and you can test me and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out upon you a blessing that you will not be able to contain. Our church is very faithful with tithing. I checked on Friday of this week to see where we are at this point in the year with our tithing. And our budget calls for 16.3% in our tithing. And our tithing in the budget that has come into this point is exactly 16.3%. So everybody that normally does tithe is tithing faithfully and regularly. But where we're struggling a bit is in the additional offerings. You say, well, shouldn't we be able to make it on our tithe? It would be good if we could, but unfortunately, the utility companies don't care about our tithe, and the water companies don't care about our tithe, and the insurance companies don't care about what our tithe is. And so they've all gone up extremely high. Our gas bill, our light bill, our water bill, our trash bill, all of those things that we normally can budget for we're already missing it, and it's because that our offerings are lower. So here's what I'm asking you to consider do, doing. We raise money and send it overseas. We have every year. We raise money for other projects. What I'm asking you to do for the next few weeks is to concentrate on our home church. Uh, that's not selfish. We're doing ministry here in every possible way that we can. But how many of you know that just like it takes money for you to pay your bills, it takes money for the church to pay its bills? 
And so I'm asking you to keep doing what you're doing with the tithing. And if you've not started tithing, let me just explain to you that it really is one of the signals that you have become a mature Christian. When you take God at his word and say, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it because you say in your word that I should and I'm going to trust you. I spoke with a man this week who told me that several years ago, about 12 years ago, was not a tither and heard me make this statement from this pulpit. If you believe that tithing is in God's word and it's something we should do, if you can't do everything all at once, you need to start somewhere. And so that's my message to you today. Think about it. Pray about it. Ask God. Consider it. You know me. I don't bother you about money. We put the boxes on the back, and you come in and put your money in the back boxes, and I don't get up here every week and talk about money. But I want to encourage you to pray about your financial contribution to the Lord through this local church. And how many of you know that if we'll pray about it and if we will be obedient, that God will give us everything that we have need of to do ministry in our world in this day and not to strive to get by, but to do it with favor and everything that we need. Is that all right with you today? Now, I want to pray, and after I pray, I'm going to ask Justin to lead this song. If you feel like worshiping the Lord with him as he sings it, if, if that means standing or clapping your hands or whatever you want to do, I want us to sing this old song, The Name of the Lord is a Strong Tower, and I want to sing it like we mean it. Amen? Will you do that? Let's pray. Father, you know how uncomfortable it is for me to have to stand up here and say the things that I've said this morning. But I also realize that it's part of my responsibility as the shepherd of this congregation, as the pastor of this church. And I've always learned and discovered through the years that people are good people. And if they know that there's a need, especially this church, they always respond generously. So today, Lord, I pray that you would turn the financial situation not only of America, and we need that, but Lord, in the midst of a time and a season when our economy and our nation is sour and going south, I pray that you will bless your people so abundantly that as they give and as they bless your church, that you indeed will pour out blessings upon them that they cannot contain. Now, Lord, by faith, we accept what you're going to do and we thank you in advance for your great blessings upon us. May we be faithful in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Go ahead, Justin. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. 
seated. So last week I started talking to you about this idea of praise. Praise is so much easier when we know who God is and what he does in our lives. Would you not agree with that? Sometimes it's hard to praise God if we don't really know him in a personal way or know what he's done. So I began to think about that some this week and I want to share with you from Psalm chapter 46. If you have your Bibles with you and you'd like to open them this year, I'm using the NASB, the 2020 version, and I'm going to use that again today. And I want us to read this entire chapter. It won't take but just a minute. And uh, I want us to, just for a few moments, relax ourselves in the presence of the Lord. You ever feel like that sometimes that you're just hyperventilating your way through life. I mean, you're just breathing hard and you, you can't kind of get your bearings. And sometimes, honestly, we just need to slow the pace a little bit and we just need to take in all that God has for us. And I want us to do that this morning. And uh, I've entitled my message today, Take a Chill Pill. Now, I'm not in encouraging to reach down in your purse and get you a Xanax or anything like that. I'm just saying that I think that when we realize who God is and what he does in our lives and in this world, it will enable us to have enough faith that we can just settle in to the reality that we are victors, we are overcomers. And the reason that we are is because he is. Amen? So read with me beginning at verse 1, uh, the entire chapter, Psalm 46, it says this. God is our refuge and strength. He is a very ready help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth shakes and the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. There is a river whose streams make the city of God happy the holy dwelling places of the Most High God. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice, and the earth quaked. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. So come and behold the works of the Lord who has inflicted horrific events on the earth. He makes his wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Stop striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted upon the earth. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Can you say amen? amen? Father, thank you for your word. Now help me to preach it and do it justice. I thank you that your anointing is upon me this morning. That as your word goes forth, it will not return unto you void, but it shall accomplish everything that you send it forth to do. In Jesus' name, I declare it. Amen and amen. Doesn't it seem like that our world is uncertain? I mean, it's almost as though that we get into this place where we feel like we know what to expect next. And then all of a sudden, something happens that we were not expecting. 
I mean, just take, for instance, the Alabama-UK game last night. I mean, can you even believe that? Those of you who are UK fans, I mean, you might as well take this moment and rejoice. I mean, it's been a long time since they scored 117 points. So, I mean, were you expecting that? I wasn't expecting that at all. And then when the game was over, the sportscaster said it was a wonderful game and Kentucky was absolutely at its best, but which Kentucky will show up at the next game? <laughs> well, the same could be said about U of L if we're being truthful. But the fact of the matter is, is that there are times that, that we think that we've got everything squared away and we think, okay, I'm rolling pretty good here. And, and life seems to be treating me okay, and I think I know how to expect and how to, how to gear my life for what I'm expecting to come next. And then something out of the ordinary happens again, shockingly uh, coming to us and surprising us in a way that we did not suspect. And we all have those times in life, and it seems like that our world is in that state right now where it's uncertain and we really don't know what to believe. I would suggest to you today that it's time for us to anchor ourselves in the steadfast truth that God is our stronghold. He is our source of refreshment and he is the ultimate peace of our life. So today I want to talk to you about three things that we can find here in Psalm 46 that describes the role of God in our lives. And the first one is this. I want you to see today that God is our strong tower. He is our strong tower. Verses 1, 2, and 3 of chapter 46 says, God is our refuge and he is our strength. He is a very present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. And then in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10, it says this, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Aren't you glad today that God is our strong tower? Amen. That he holds us safe. Now the name of the Lord is a strong tower is a phrase that is very familiar to us. But sometimes we don't really understand its meaning because we think in our mind so is there a tower somewhere that I have to go to in order to be in the presence of God? Or is there a tower physically on this earth where people go? And the reality is that it is a spiritual symbolism of how we can run to the arms of our Father God and know that he will hold us safe in the moment when we don't feel safe. It speaks of the identity and the character and the reputation of God, all which provide a place of refuge and safety and protection for those who seek Him. How many of you have ever felt like that you needed God as a protector? You needed him to come and stand beside you because you were uncertain of the moment. You weren't sure what you were going to have to face or go through. But you knew that you wouldn't have to do it by yourself because God himself would come and stand beside you and hold out his arms and say, come unto me. And you can run to him and know that you would be safe in his presence. It speaks to the name of his character, his reputation. Some of the names of God that we see in Scripture that we can hold on to is El Shaddai, God Almighty. It speaks of God's unlimited power and strength. It symbolizes his ability to provide and protect and sustain his people in all situations because his power is unlimited. How many of you know that there's nothing that God can't do? We used to sing that old song years ago, there's nothing 
that my God can't do. If you're doubting that today, let me reassure you that the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who sits on the throne of glory, is able to call those things that are not as though they were, and He is able to provide everything that we have need of in our life. Can you believe that with me today? He is our strength. And then there's Yahweh Suri, which means He is the Lord my rock. And it means that he is the solid foundation. He is the refuge. His unchanging strength and stability is there in times of trouble. When you feel like that your feet are slipping and you don't know where to stand securely, you can stand securely upon him because he is our rock. And he will not move in the midst of trouble and difficulty. You can stand firmly in that situation. And then he is Adonai, Seboeth, which means the Lord of hosts. It means that God is the commander of the heavenly armies. And it highlights his supreme power and authority over all of creation. Listen, it's big enough to think that God is on my side. But we can even think higher than that because he is the Lord of the armies. And all he has to do is speak the word and give the command and the armies of heaven shall be loosed upon us and will come to our rescue and to our aid. He has given his angels charge over us so that we won't even stumble or slap our foot upon a rock. He is able to keep our steps secure. And then he is known as El Gabor, mighty God. It emphasizes God's mighty strength beyond what a human mind can comprehend. The Bible says my ways are not your ways. His thoughts and, my, and ways are higher than ours. How many of you know that? And he is strong and mighty because of that. It showcases his ability to conquer every obstacle and every enemy that comes against us. It doesn't matter what it is. You can describe it however you want to. You can describe your ailment or your affliction or your hardship or your bad times any way you want to describe it. And I'm here to remind you that God is greater than everything that you can name today. And at his name, every enemy shall bow. Amen. And then he is Yahweh Nisi, which is the Lord is my banner. And it talks about him everywhere he goes. Everywhere, every time we get an idea and a vision of him, he is carrying a banner of victory. He is never carrying a black banner of defeat or a white flag of surrender. The flag that he bears is a bearing a flag of victory because he is the Lord our banner. And when you think you're defeated, put your surrender flag away. Put it back in the case. In fact, just go ahead and burn it up because as long as you are a child of the Most High God, you don't have to ever surrender to anything because he won't. And if he won't, you won't have to because he is your banner. That's the reason our testimony always ought to be yes and amen. Our testimony should never be, I can't make it. I can't do it. I won't. I'm too tired. I'm too exhausted. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the knowledge. Listen, anything that might cause you in the flesh to feel defeated is overcome by the word of God, uh, by the blood of the Lamb, and then the word of your testimony. If this book says it, you can take it to the bank and know that it is true. Can somebody say amen today hallelujah hallelujah he is our defense against the enemies he is our shelter in the times of danger when we talk about the the tower in scripture when they would fight battles they the nations the they would build these towers sometimes on the side of the hill or on the side of the mountain or sometimes they would build it into it so that it was camouflaged to some degree. 
And those who were assigned to the tower would go up in the tower knowing that they were safe because the enemy could not get to them. And from the tower, they could see things from the tower that they couldn't see anywhere else because they were elevated above the field where the fighting is taking place. They were elevated above the enemy. They could see for miles and see where the enemy was coming from and where reinforcements were coming from. They were high and exalted above the warfare and they could see. And in that place where they could see what was going on, they were able to strategize as to what their next move would be. They didn't have to wonder. They didn't have to guess. I don't know what I'm going to do next. I don't know how this is going to turn out. No, they could look out there and say, hey, I see them coming from there. Send a troop out there and cut them off. I see some coming from over there. Send somebody out there and defeat them. Let's fight this battle smart. Let's fight this battle strategically. We're not just going to wait for the hand of God to move. We know that if that needs to happen, he will. If he has to throw hailstones from heaven, uh, he will throw hailstones from heaven. But he doesn't always do that. Sometimes he just gives us knowledge and understanding and wisdom and helps us to see what our next step and what our next move is. And by faith we say, God, by faith I'm going to follow your wisdom them and the victory will be mine because of what you have given me informationally. God is on our side. He is our rock. He is our strength. He is our salvation. He is our deliverer. He is our strong tower. Amen. He is everything that we have need of. He is. He was and he always will be the rock that we can stand upon. Give him praise again in the house. God is my strong tower. Secondly, God is my fresh water. God is my fresh water. Oh, I love this. How many of you ever drank nasty old hot water, lukewarm? I mean, it had been sitting for a while. Probably some old fly sitting down in the water, kicking his leg, floating around. If you look close enough, you might find little particles just moving through the water. You wonder what it is. Wonder if that could be a worm. Wonder what that is. Stale water. In verse 2, he talks about the ocean and how that it bangs up against the beach and upon the sand and how many of you ever known anybody who loves to drink salt water? Can I see your hand? Do you like salt water? Do you like to drink it? I mean, I get you might like to lay on the beach and all that and your little Speedos and bikinis and all that kind of thing and enjoy the sun rays and all that, but I've never known anybody to jump up off of the sand and run outside or in, into the water and somebody say, where are you going? And then look back and say, I'm thirsty. I'm going to go get a drink of ocean water. I don't know anybody who does that. Why? Because ocean water is not meant to quench your thirst. It can't do it, and it never will. But I want you to notice verse 4. Now, before I read this, I just want to say to you, before you read this to do it properly, you have to insert a word. And you can either insert the word but, or you can insert the word however. It doesn't make any difference. But I want you to get it in context. Verse 3 says, Though the ocean's waters roar and foam, and though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, but, however, there is a river whose streams make the city of God happy, the holy dwelling places of the Most High God. Listen, I want you to know that what he's talking about here is not ocean water. This is a river that is beaming with life. It streams right out of heaven itself. And it is full of the blessing and the nourishment and the refreshing that God has for us. Amen. 
A river whose streams make glad the city of God. Let me tell you something. When we get to heaven, whenever that is, heaven's going to be a happy place. It's not going to be like this world. It's not going to be like this world that is affected by the sin that the enemy came and brought upon mankind. No, there will be no sin there. There will be no sickness there. There will be no disease there. There will be no water company there that you have to pay. There will be no gas company that you have to pay. There will be no insurance that you have to pay. There won't be any doctors that you have to see professionally, although you might go by and just say hello. There won't be any of that there because the blessings of God are streaming and flowing out of God himself into his people and we will be nourished and refreshed by the river of God. I think sometimes we forget that serving God should be a pleasure. It should be a pleasure to serve God. I mean, I remember where I was going. I remember what my life looked like before Jesus saved me. I remembered that I was on my way to hell. I remembered that I was going to spend eternity outside of the presence of God because of the sin of my life. But I'm glad to announce today that the Lord saved me from my sin. He cleansed me. He washed me in His blood. He removed my sin away as far as the east is from the west and will never be remembered against me again. I'm telling you, it's refreshing to serve God. And I'm just going to go out on a limb and make a bold statement here. If you're a Christian and you're not enjoying your relationship with God, you're not doing it right. Because to serve God should be one of the greatest joys. Jesus said, listen, the devil comes to kill you. He's the one who wants to steal from you. He's the one who wants to destroy you, but not me. Oh, no, I came to give you life. I came to give you life abundant and free. And where the Son of God is, there is freedom and liberty. And we can enjoy our experience with Jesus. He's a drink of fresh water. He supplies the river that brings joy and vitality to your life. I like that word vitality, don't you? I mean, it just it speaks of energy, high energy. It speaks of motivation. It speaks of, you know, a desire to do something above the ordinary. Did you ever go home from work and you just sit down in your recliner and you were so tired and exhausted that all you could do is put your feet up and you just think, oh my goodness, I don't know if I can make it another day or not. You know what you're doing to yourself when you say that to yourself or speak that into the atmosphere? You're making yourself more tired than you were before you said it. Because our ears hear what our mouth is saying. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And then scripture says, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of the Lord. So the next time that you want to speak words of negativity and discouragement and frustration, get yourself a good, fresh drink of Jesus and let him cleanse your mind and bring joy and peace to your soul. Amen. John chapter 4 verses 13 and 14, Jesus answered, and he said to the lady at the well, Everyone who drinks this water is going to thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him, hallelujah, shall never thirst again. The water that I will give him will become him a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. Drink the water. Don't drink the Kool-Aid, but drink the water. Amen. It is the water that will give you everlasting life. And then he says in John chapter 7, verse 38, he says, He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his 
innermost being will flow rivers of living water. You don't even have to go get a drink of water. You don't even have to go find Jesus. You don't have to try to hunt him down. All you have to do is realize that the Spirit of God that lives and dwells within you is boiling. He's providing living water that will flow out of you. It is yours to tap into if you will only do so. Amen? He's a fresh drink of water. And he is... My peace speaker. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. He is my peace speaker. When everything else is loud and noisy, where everything else is chaotic in my life, when I turn to him, he is my peace speaker. You say, where did you get that, Pastor? Well, look with me. Psalm 46. Verses 8 through 11. He said, come and behold the works of the Lord who has inflicted horrific events on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and he cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. And then verse 10, I, I shared it with you last week. He says, so cease striving and know that I am God because I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. So we have to find a place of peace in our life in the midst of our difficulties. And he, by his actions, and by what he does will provide a place of peace for us. Now, do you think about that verse this week? I preached it last week. I bring it back to you again today because I can't get it out of my soul. I can't get it out of my spirit. He just simply says, the psalmist does, cease striving. Now, if you read the King James Version, it, it is said like this. Cease striving in the King James's. be still and know. In other words, quieten yourself. Be still, quieten your soul so that you can hear the voice of the Lord. The Message Bible says it like this. Step out of the traffic. Oh, I like that. And let me tell you, there are days... I absolutely cannot stand driving my vehicle through Louisville. I mean, the traffic can be so bad, and if you live in Mount Washington or Bullock County, Highway 44 is of the devil. I mean, it is one of the worst roads to have to drive on because there are just too many people trying to drive on that place. And so you know what I've learned to do? I've learned how to drive through parking lots. I've learned how to drive through back streets and if I have to, through other people's yards if necessary to avoid the traffic. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That, that's what he's saying here in the message. He's saying, get out of the traffic. If your life is so consumed with all that's going on around you, then it's time for you to find a place and get there where you can experience the freedom and the liberty that comes to us through Jesus Christ. Get out of the traffic. And then what it literally means here when he says cease striving, it literally means relax yourself and let go. You ever go to the dentist? And if you're like me, going to the dentist is not an enjoyable experience. And we tend to stress up a little bit. You know what I mean? We just kind of... And then some people love that laughing gas. Do you love the laughing gas? I've never had the laughing gas. But I don't mind the shots. I can handle the shots. Reason I like the shot is because eight hours later I can still be numb. Kind of like the feeling, don't you? But when we're finished, when that, when, when, when that, 
laughing gas hits, we're able to cease striving because our nerves now are calm. We're not worried. We know we're in the hands of the dentist. And he's going to take care of us. We're okay. We're not nervous anymore. And that's what he's saying. But I know what you're thinking. You're, you're thinking, with all that I have going on in my life, how in the world am I going to cease striving? I've got sickness in my body. I've got disease that I'm dealing with. I've got financial situations that I have to attend to. It won't be long. We'll have to pay our taxes, and I'm a little bit concerned about that. I've got relationship problems. I've got family members that I don't care if I ever see them again in my life because they're absolutely driving me nuts. I've got all this stuff in my life that I have to worry about my job, it's my responsibility, it's my life, nobody else is going to worry about it, so I have to do it myself. Well, I have a suggestion for you today. Why don't you just turn it all over to Jesus and let him worry about it because he is the one with all the answers, amen? And you have the ability to just trust him and know that he will do what is best in your situation. Do you believe that? Jesus said, come unto me. Take my yoke upon me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. We need to yoke ourselves to Jesus and say, I can do this if you're with me. Consider the disciples on the boat in the New Testament with Jesus. Storm comes up, and in Mark chapter 4, Verses 35 through 41, here's what happens. It says, on that day, when evening came, he, Jesus, said to them, let's go over to the other side. And after dismissing the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was. And there were other boats with him. Now a great windstorm developed. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling up. And Jesus himself was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and they said to him, Teacher, do you not even care that we are perishing? And he got up and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Hush! And be still. In the King James Version, it says, Peace, be still. But I don't know, I kind of like it better in this version. Because really, what he's saying is, I created you, wind. I created you, waves. I am the creator. The Bible says that everything that was created was created by Christ, by Jesus. And so the creator now is speaking to the creation and saying, I command you through my name to shut your mouth over this situation. You no longer have the right to have a say in the outcome of this situation. And the Bible tells us, I like this, it says, and the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. How long did it take? In an instant, in a second, the word of Christ fixed it. And then he turned to them and he said, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were extremely terrified and said to one another, who then is this? That even the winds and the waves obey him. Now here's the point that I want to make to you about this cease striving stuff. The reason that we oftentimes cannot stop striving is because what's causing us to strive has been prioritized in our mind. And it's the only thing we ever think about. And it's the only thing we ever talk about. And if it's the only thing we ever think about and talk about, how many of you know, it's the thing that it's going to have a hold on our lives. But the psalmist said, 
I'm telling you that there is a place where you can go where you will be able to cease striving with all the things that are driving you crazy. Where is that place? Thank you for asking. He said, just come and behold the works of the Lord, the things that he has done, the things that he is doing, and the things that by faith we know he will do if we will trust him in the process. If you'll get your eyes off your circumstances and put your eyes back on Jesus, come and see the mighty works of his hand. Come and see the times that he has raised the dead. Come and see the times that he has healed the blind. Come and see the times uh, that he has healed the lepers. Lepers, Come and see the times uh, that he has done all of these mighty things. Because when you see the hand of God at work uh, in your life and in the life of someone else, uh, you will be able to know that I don't have to strive with this. I don't have to fight with that because God is on my side and he is well able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I ask or think according to his power which is alive and well within me. Don't you love Jesus today? Amen. Come help me quit whoever's going to play that piano. I like verse 39 because it says the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. Now in the original Greek, here's what it means, verse 39. It literally means a great calm occurred. A great calm occurred. See, some of you brought your difficulties of life in with you today and it's got your nerves all racked and messed up. That's all you can think about. But I just want to tell you that he is a speak peacer, a peace speaker. Let me say it right. A peace speaker. And he can speak peace to anything and everything. How is he able to do that? Because God gave him all authority over everything. So whatever you're dealing with today, he already has authority over it. And if you will abide by his word, if you will do what this book says, then God will turn your situation. It may be today that you heard what I said earlier. And you think, I'd love to tithe, I'd love to give, I'd love to be generous. But I can't hardly even pay the bills that I have coming into my own house. How can I give? You can give because God said, if you will, I will bless that. I will put my favor upon your generosity. The hardest thing to do when we're trying to start something different or new in our life is to take the first step. But let me tell you, when you take the first step, whatever it is, maybe you need to forgive somebody. And so it wasn't my fault. Doesn't matter. Bible says that if you go to take your gift of worship to God and there you remember that someone has aught in their heart against you, it doesn't say for you to wait and expect them to say I'm sorry to you. It says for you to leave your gift at the altar and go to them. And say, hey, I feel like that there's something not right here between us. Let's see if we can work it out. And the Lord will help you to do that. You say, well, I've done that. They won't do it. Then you're in the clear. Because the Bible says, as best as lieth within you. Be at peace with all men. If they don't want to be at peace with you, find yourself a new friend. Find yourself a new family member. Don't trade your spouse in. 
work that one out because I believe you can. But do you see what I'm saying? The first step. I don't want to see any hands. Don't anybody raise your hand. How many of you have ever been praying and it came to your mind, I think that individual is angry with me? I think they are. I don't know why. I don't know what's going on, but I think they are. And then all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord said, go to them. Go to them and make peace with them and then come back and get your gift and bring it to the altar. How many of you have ever had that, but you wouldn't do it because you were too nervous about the outcome? Let me tell you, that's where the victory lies. Oh, I'm going to preach a sermon. Not now, not today. I won't do it to you today. I just had an idea that your victory lies in the first step that you're willing to take. Your victory lies in the first step that you're willing to take. How many of you want victory today? Stand with me if you will. I'm going to ask you to do something today. If you're here in your, and you need healing in your body today, or if you have another need of some kind, I want you to come to this altar in a minute. I'm going to lay my hands upon you, and I'm going to ask the prayer team to come and help me. But in just a moment, and I know she won't like this. I know she won't want to do it. But I'm the, husband, I'm the husband and I'm the head of the house. I say that humorously. Although it's truthful. This is going to be a big week for my wife. The Lord worked a miracle for us. We were told that we needed to see a doctor nicknamed the Bulldog. They said it'll take you six months to get to see him, get in his office. Six months. On Wednesday of this week, we're going to see the bulldog after three weeks of waiting. Not six months, three weeks. Three weeks. Now listen, my hope is not in the bulldog. But any information that we can get will be helpful. Amen? And on Friday of this week, they have scheduled her for a procedure that hopefully is going to help alleviate this pain that has, been, has left her crippled for the last several weeks. And my trust is not in a procedure. But my, my trust is in a God who directs our steps and is able to do whatever needs to be done and he can do it through whomever he chooses to do it through. And I'd like for somebody to bring a chair and set it right here. And I want you to set it far enough out that we can get around it. And then I want somebody to help my wife get from where she is to where she needs to be over here. And I'm going to ask everybody who believes and is in faith. I haven't forgotten about everybody else. Listen, it's not just about me and Donna. But let me tell you something. When the enemy attacks your shepherd and his family, it affects the entire body of Christ. And there needs to be healing and wholeness in the shepherd's house. And I believe God can do it. And I want the prayer team to come. And I want everybody in the house that will believe with us to just come and build a wall of faith around her and pray using your own words and pray in the spirit and as we lay our hands upon Donna and ask God for supernatural healing we're going to believe that it will come to every individual that is in this house that needs healing and breakthrough in your life can you believe that with me today let's pray amen hallelujah
victory for the battle belongs to you lord there's power in the mind 